I think that intentionality, both in our work and in our life, is something that rarely do we really think through. It's usually reactionary, where we work five days a week and we're stressed out and maxed out, and then we just barely recover over the weekend, put up with soccer practice or all sorts of other things, and then we just do it all over again. Instead of saying, first, let's start with this coming weekend. How do I make this weekend be as exciting and robust for myself so that I feel refreshed? What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Joe Sanic. Today, we're talking about something a little bit different. We're talking about the evolution to a four-day work week. His book, Thursday is the New Friday, is coming out tomorrow, October 5th. And we really have a fascinating, fascinating conversation here about the evolution of work, how the 40-hour work week really came about, and then really where we stand today and how we can level up either as entrepreneurs or as employees. I know many of you out there are employees and, and reframe our thought process and how we can be most productive, monitor our productivity, prove that we can be more productive with fewer hours per week and why. He talks about why. Uh, there are a lot of interesting, very fascinating things in here. I think he's totally correct that the hustle culture, the hustle mentality, work 120 hours a week is completely misguided because in reality, we cannot, humans cannot be productive that many hours per week. And if you're really thinking with your brain and building systems and hiring others, you can outsource many of those tasks to be handled by others so you can one, work fewer hours, but also two, work on higher value, higher productivity, higher dollar per hour things that really maximize your productivity for one. And then for two, maximize your happiness and satisfaction, because that, that is cr so important as well. When you're working, you know, even 60 hours a week, it's really tough to spend time for yourself and allocate time for yourself and be satisfied. So really fascinating things in here. If you're somebody that you know, you're working a ton of hours per week, but you want to change that, you want to go from say five to six days a week down to four, Joe teaches some really excellent strategies to accomplish that. Whether you're an entrepreneur or somebody working in corporate America that wants to look at making a change, how can you affect that change, prove that it works and really keep it in place. Great stuff in here totally support what Joe is doing and appreciate him joining us today. I appreciate you joining us as well. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Love this conversation with Joe. And if you love it as well, and you're an Apple podcast user, I ask that you take a quick second, leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts, five stars, if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much because that helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping a Wall Street casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, look us up, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest is Joe Sanic from practiceofthepractice.com. We're learning about his new book, Thursday is the new Friday and strategies that we can implement to cut our number of hours while maintaining or improving our productivity, our satisfaction, our happiness, and all that great stuff that comes along with us, with it, excuse me. Without any further ado, here we go. Joe, thank you for joining us today. 
Taylor, I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great talking with you. So for our listeners out there who don't know about you and your business and your book and everything that you do, can you give us an intro and uh, you know tell us about yourself a little bit? Yeah. So I'm a podcaster, keynote speaker, and author. I just wrote a book called Thursday is the New Friday, but I'm trained as a psychologist. So for years, I had a counseling practice where I did kind of traditional mental health work and sold that in 2019 and have worked independently since then doing my podcasting and consulting. Uh, I also have two daughters, seven and 10 that are amazing. And I often have glitter in my hair from playing <laughs> with them. So uh, yeah, I'm, she's there. Uh, I'm a single dad for them. So uh, they're just like my world. And it's great to be able to do this kind of work and uh, have some of that freedom to be a good dad too. Awesome. Nice. So can you tell us about Thursday is the new Friday? Like what, what's the core idea uh, behind the, the book? And I mean, that sounds that sounds great, but what does it really uh, mean and, and mean for us in terms of you know building passive income, building passive wealth? Yeah, I think that oftentimes we start with that we think we know how society is and how it has been, and we just assume it has to keep going that way. Mm-hmm. And so I often like to start with, before we talk about Thursday is the new Friday, just backing up a little bit to kind of understand how do we even view time in the way that we view it right now? Because if it's actually not accurate that it's as solid as we think, then that's easier to deconstruct something if it's maybe not as solid as we think. So if we reverse, say, 4,000 years or so to the Babylonians, they actually made up the seven-day week. Uh, they looked up and they saw the sun and the moon. They looked down and saw Earth. They saw Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter. So the brightest things in the sky, they said there's seven of them. We should have a seven-day week. (laughs) I mean, the Romans had a 10-day week and the Egyptians had an eight-day week. And so literally what we think is normal, the seven-day week, is actually just made up by some power brokers in Babylon several thousand years ago. <laughs> so so the, it just as easily could have been a five-day week, and we had 73 in a year. Um, because in nature, you know, a year makes sense. It's how long it takes us to go around the sun. A day makes sense. It's how long it takes to spin you know, for a day. Uh, but in a week, there's nothing in nature that points to that. So if we just start with this thing that we think is super solid, the seven-day week, is just made up. Let's fast forward to the late 1800s, early 1900s. So the average person was working 10 to 14 hours a day, six to seven days a week. So a farmer's schedule, uh, except they weren't all on the farm. They were you know, working in factories and had a terrible, terrible life. And then in 1926, Henry Ford, in an effort to sell more cars to Ford employees, started the 40-hour work week. He literally had, there's all these quotes I have in the book of how he said, people aren't going to buy a car to just get to work faster. You know, a horse and buggy is fine for that. But if they have a weekend where they get to see friends and they get to recreate, they're going to want to make the most of that thing. So they're going to want a car. And so to sell more cars, he started the 40-hour work week. And it took off across the nation. And so less than 100 years ago, we get this thing, the 40-hour work week, that to us right now feels so normal. Now, back then, that was not normal. That was a big transition. It was a big evolution for humanity. It was needed at the time, and we've outgrown it. Uh, We've for a long time known that Fridays are half-worked days. You know, you look at the 80s and 90s (laughs) and like TGI Friday, uh, TGIF with Mm -hmm. Full House and Urkel. Like it's, It's a day we host wedding showers or baby showers or cheesy team building activities or we plan our weekend. It's it's already kind of moving out of the work week. And so now as the post pandemic generation, we get to decide how we want to work moving forward. Do we believe like the industrialists believed that people are machines, that you plug them in, you set it and forget it, that they just keep being productive? 
No, we've outlived that. We've outgrown that. That's not anything anyone believes anymore. We still have some vestiges of the industrialists, like our public school system. That's very much, you know, like a conveyor belt that's just kind of going through. But there's lots of ways that we outthink and outgrow the industrialists. So Thursday is the new Friday is all about saying right now, as this post-pandemic generation, what are we going to do moving forward? Do we think that the way we've been living has the best health outcomes, has the best productivity, has the best creativity? I would actually argue that the research says that it's not been the best model. Sure, it was a step forward, but there's something greater on the other side that we get to co-create. So a lot of very interesting points in there. You mentioned uh, you know, productivity. And, and if you looked at now versus, say, 100 or 120 years from now, sure, worker productivity is significantly higher than it is now. Plus, the industrialists, so forth, that we're putting folks, you know, Henry Ford even, putting folks in a job. Okay, your job isn't to think. Your job is to turn this bolt all day, every day for, you know, seven days a week, if that was the case. Whereas now there's a lot more uh, cognitive like load and requirements and, and, and knowledge work, especially for our listeners out there, many of whom are, you know, making over six figures, you need to really have your, your mind much more uh, present and on point and active to, you know, engage in your business, which is not possible to do, you know, 80% of the hours of the week. You just can't do it. Yeah. And I think that that's really pointing to how being burned out and stressed out is not when we have our best ideas. So if we are moving more and more away from just an information economy where it's about gathering information into an implementation economy, what does it take to actually implement things and to find those shortcuts and to, to hurry through something to actually get it done? You don't want to have someone that's burned out. You don't want to have someone that you know is working 60 or 70 hours a week. The brain just hasn't developed to the point that that's going to be good for their creativity or their productivity. And we're seeing research study after research study come out that's just pointing to that. Uh, just recently, the Iceland study that came out, 2,500 people were part of this study. It was a multi-year study and also multiple disciplines. So it wasn't just school teachers. It wasn't just you know pharmacists. It was across the board. And they found that these 2,500 people were more productive on a four-day work week. And it wasn't a 40 hours squished into four days. It was 32 hours. And so they were more productive. They were happier. They had better health outcomes. They're more connected to their family and friends. Um, All these things that we know intuitively, now research is showing that the four-day work week actually is better for society and creativity. So I wonder, you mentioned kind of the, the, as we move into the post-pandemic world, things that we learn um, at least where where we are right now when things are being recorded, companies are starting to say, all right, you know, we really want people to start coming back to the office. And you know, personally, I haven't worked in an office in years, but when I did, man, I hated it. That was the worst part of anything for me was having to go to an office. Forget, you know, whatever I was doing for the job. It was sitting in a cube under the fluorescent lights. And, you know, you got Bill Lumberg coming by every once in a while. I'll do the job from anywhere, but man, don't make me come here. Have you seen any like research in that, you know, regard, you know, how, how well do people function, whether at home or remotely versus in the office, or is it like a spectrum? What do you see there? Yeah. So some of the research that I look into that I looked into was um, from the April until June of 2020, looking at overall worker satisfaction, happiness, and productivity all went up during the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, you think about it like, so I always say, okay, the research says that, but why? Well, 
if you just took someone's commute out, if they're commuting an hour each way, I mean, and they get 10 yeah. hours of their life back, plus the stress of a commute, plus if you're packing up a lunch or you're zooming to go find lunch and standing in line for lunch. And then you add on top of that, just all the stresses of trying to be a good parent and then make your family look Instagram worthy and all those stresses that, well, we just got to pause for a minute and say, how are we living our lives from a work standpoint and from a life standpoint? We got a glimpse into, oh, it doesn't have to be this way. Now, I don't want to reframe the pandemic as something that was just glorious for everyone. Of course, there was tons of people that were frontline workers. There was a lot of stress, but we got to pause and say, what are we actually doing here? Do we actually want to do the things we're doing? And I think that intentionality, both in our work and in our life, is something that rarely do we really think through. It's usually reactionary, where we work five days a week and we're stressed out and maxed out, and then we just barely recover over the weekend, put up with soccer practice or all sorts of other things, and then we just do it all over again. Instead of saying, first, let's start with this coming weekend. How do I make this weekend be as exciting and robust for myself so that I feel Fresh. So my brain is lined up with my natural neurosyncing. And then when I enter into the work week, I'm excited. I'm ready to go kill it because I actually spent the time to think through what do I want to get out of this weekend to prep myself for that next week? Hmm. So being productive with our weekends. Now, one, I think, aspect of this when you're talking about reducing the number of hours overall that you're working, things like that, that you kind of might clash with societally, and I'm guilty of this myself, is how everybody wants to say, oh, I'm hustling, I'm working really hard, I'm putting all these hours in. Like I said, I'm I'm guilty of this too. I kind of wear the fact that I like to work on stuff on my sleeve. That doesn't mean I don't take time off, but man, I, I like uh I like I like working. And you know, you got the Instagram, everybody talking about, you know, hashtag hustle and all that kind of stuff. How how does that square with you know what you're saying and you know take some time off relax make the most of your your time when you're not working versus how everybody wants to be perceived as a you know hashtag grind all that stuff yeah. these days well there's a couple of factors there so i mean for one i mean you point to it that people you know, it's an ego boost for them and so like if we start with um do we want our lives to be based on ego boosts that um, really are just trivial in nature? Or do we want some depth to ourselves? Now, everyone gets to decide for themselves what they want. But if you live your life based on other people saying, wow, look at you, like that all so much sacrifice. To me, that's pretty superficial. There's a lot more that we can do to impact the world in a positive way. Secondly, the actual productivity research shows that you get less and less effective as you hustle more and more. So you're actually like, when I see people being like, hashtag hustle culture, I just worked 90 hours. I'm like, you are so inefficient that you couldn't get that done in 20 <laughs> hours. Like way to be dumb with your business and not outsource all this stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Cause there's no way that those hustle culture people are spending 70 hours on the stuff that's most productive and going to actually move the needle forward. Uh, most of it is actually just things that are wasting time. And, and so if we look at that 80, 20 rule saying, well, what's the 20% that gives you 80%? Like they're not even thinking through that. It's just, I'm going to just spin and spin and spin. And, and so what happens when you actually condense your schedule, um, say you go from this whole hustle culture and you say, okay, I'm going to try to work four days a week, even like every other week, I'm just going to give it a world to take Fridays off. So you have all this work you've been doing are you going to condense into that week the best work or the worst work? If you have 20 tasks that you typically do in a typical week, and now you can only do 15, are you going to drop the ball on the five most important tasks that bring in the most money for you? No, absolutely not. You're going to do it on the most important 15. And so when you drop the ball by giving yourself less time, 
it naturally reveals the best use of your time. And so you say, okay, these five tasks that I just didn't get to. And then the next week you're like, I didn't get to them again. That's giving you great data. You know, a typical business owner, you know, maybe they're taking the trash out and vacuuming and doing all this. And then they've condensed their schedule and their trash is piling up. They haven't vacuumed their office in a while. Yeah. As the business owner, you should stop vacuuming your own office. <laughs> like you should like hire someone that loves doing that cleaning. Um, and so then you start to refine into the things that you do best. And when you do that, it allows you to level up faster because if every week you're doing the very best use of your time over and over and over, you're going to outpace your competition. Whereas if you're burning yourself out and your energy level's low because you've hashtag hustled so much, you're going to just go slower. And so when I see those people online, I feel bad for them because of the ego side where it's like, man, your value is coming from the ego of this, but also you're not going to get the outcomes you think you're going to get by hustling so hard. And you're not optimizing your brain that actually will help you get to that end goal that you want. So, I mean, you you know, we're talking about the business owners here, but there's the other you know, a lot of our listeners out there are busy professionals. They work at W2 and, you know, they're, they have expected hours they're supposed to be working. What, what are your thoughts as to, you know, what a busy professional can do in that situation? And then I suppose more broadly, how can we change or, or start to change corporate culture so that, you know, some of that, that maybe we can be more focused on performance rather than the, say the veneer of where you clock in at eight and you clock out at five. And that's what matters as opposed to what you actually complete. Yeah. Yeah. So the entrepreneurs, their problem is that they're so excited about their mm-hmm. job. And, you know, it's like, we have so many ideas. We need to figure out boundaries uh, around those <laughs> ideas, but the typical W-2 employee has a much different set of problems in regards to enacting the four-hour work or 40-hour work week uh, and to move that into four days. And so the first step um, that they want to do is have a conversation with your supervisor about just kind of where they're at. Um, so are they even open to a four-day work week? Uh, are they open to looking at the KPIs, the key performance indicators of your position instead of just the hours worked? This is going to give you an idea of, are you working for an industrialist that just wants butts in the chair? Or are you working with someone that has an open mind and is moving into this new era? You know, we hear about the great resignation happening right now of people leaving their jobs post-pandemic for a variety of reasons. Employers are scared to lose good quality people. So if ever there's a time, we have a window right now, if you're a W-2 employee, to say, how do we want to reinvent things? But you're going to get some interesting data to know, are you working for an industrialist? Because you might be, and it might just be, you then have to decide, is this the kind of person I'm going to work for, or do I need to start looking elsewhere? So assuming that your supervisor is somewhat open to the idea of moving into a four-day work week. So in that conversation, you're going to want to look at what are the KPIs for your particular position, the key performance indicators. And so what is it that you are judged on already? This isn't like something new. This is in your annual review. Is it number of sales? Is it customer satisfaction? Is it accounting reports? Is it you know marketing plans? What is it that you're judged on? And then it's best to do this in a small group of three to five people. So if you have other coworkers that your supervisor says, hey, we want to try a four-day work week. Let's try to do this. This is what we're going to do together. Uh, those other three to five people then can opt into that voluntarily. And that's where you don't want to push people to opt into it involuntarily because it'll sway the experiment. Um, So let those people go with the five days because that's a great A-B test to compare your stats to their stats if they don't want to do it. So then once you've established the couple KPIs, you're looking at two, maybe three key performance indicators. The next conversation you're going to have as a team is what are the clear boundaries in the time that you're off? And so are we going to send emails after 6 p.m.? Are we going to do anything 
anything on Fridays. So take an IT team, maybe they're in charge of passwords. And if someone gets locked out, like on a Friday, you can't just say, sorry, you're locked out of your password. Um, you're not, we aren't helping people on Fridays. You know, you've got to have some, some things there. So every team is going to be different. The industrialists want us to have this one plan that fits everybody, but we've outgrown that. We've moved into an evolutionary model where we're adapting as smart people, these concepts. So it's more of a menu than this prescription that, that we give to you. So you're, you're adapting, you're coming up with those solutions ahead of time. Then you're going to start the experiment. It's going to be two to three months that you're going to do this four-day work week. And then from there, every week, you're going to have reports to that supervisor on those KPIs. Are we up 2%, down 5%? And then what are we going to do to continue that upward trajectory? Or what are we going to do to address the downward trend that we're seeing? And so that person is getting weekly updates on it. Okay, here's the exact numbers where we're at. Um, and then on Monday morning or whatever the first day is of the week, you're going to have a conversation as a team. This is a short 20-minute conversation of how did we do with our personal boundaries outside of work? Um, and so you're saying, hey, Jim from accounting, you sent me an email at 9 p.m. on Wednesday, and then I came in Thursday morning and I felt out of the loop. That's going to force us all to you know, start checking our emails again. Like That's something we've committed to. Or maybe there was an emergency and we now need to say, you know, on Wednesdays we get this report and we do all need to check our emails till 9 p.m. that night. So you're going to adjust and adapt and say, okay, we're going to call out bad behavior or we're going to analyze it and say, ooh, our best guess at boundaries wasn't what we need for these roles. We need to adjust a couple things. And then every month you're going to do a 360 review of everything that's happened. You're going to give qualitative information. So how do people feel? What are they just kind of reporting out to the team? And also what are the actual numbers on where you're at with things? And then at the end of the entire project, you're going to do a full report so that your supervisor, if they're backed into the corner and their boss says, what, you did a four-day work week? They can say, hey, check out this data. We have all these extra creative endeavors. We had higher productivity, better health outcomes. And people are just like happier overall. Um, then they're not put in a tough position because of the experiment that they chose to do with you. Mm -hmm. So I suspect this question might be answered with, you know, just run the experiment, but how do you land on, uh, say four in four days a week instead of five working as opposed to keep the five, but reduce the length of the days, like a fewer hours per day, why one versus the other? Yeah, I think, um, and I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the kind of messy middle out of the pandemic where people are going to be experimenting and we're actually bringing together those experiments to try to analyze those together. So I would start with right now, we don't know. Um, but if we look at sprint research and batching research, people tend to do better when they know that they're completely off and then they come back and they're completely on. Uh, and so to be able to say for four days, we're going to run full tilt together and then you go do you, um, that tends to, with the brain, allow the brain to recover more. Um, but there are other places uh, like Kalamazoo Valley Community College who started a four-day work week in the summer. Uh, it was actually an HVAC instructor who discovered that if they had switched in the summer, uh, they would actually save millions of dollars in air conditioning costs. Uh, and so the board was like, great, let's do it. There's not students on campus on Fridays anyway. They switched to a 36-hour work week over four days. And then people can do their own flexible scheduling within those four days. So some of the offices now, instead of opening at 8.30, open at 7, and other ones stay open later till 7 or 8 at night, which then helped the student outcomes, helped with a number of things. But there's that's where having the experiment model rather than having it just be a blueprint like the industrialist like um, is more important because we want it to be able to level up over time. Mm. I got to say this, the the idea of, you know, quote, 
the industrialists kind of reminds me of, uh, say, folks around my age that, you know, more socialist communists complaining about the, the quote, capitalists. You know, it feels <laughs> maybe a little class warfare. I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading into it too much. No, no, you got to have an enemy. You know, I mean, that whole like Joseph Campbell story brand, like who, who is the Death Star? I mean, it was appropriate at the time. And, and there were, there are, I want us to make sure that we transcend and include. There's good things the industrialists taught us. There's good things that they brought into our world. And we can also say there's things that were dysfunctional. And I hope the future generations look at where we're at now and say, whoa, that was such a big step for humanity. I can't believe we ever worked a 40-hour work week, five days a week. That's crazy. What did they think? And this is a step forward. And I imagine it's going to be imperfect as well. Hmm. And so a hundred years from now, say we're moving away from the four day work week. I imagine there's going to be things that people say for our generation that it was a good step and it still needs improvement. So one of the things that makes me wonder about why, or, or think about especially where this, um, a reason why the, the, old paradigm might end up being a little sticky and why I might want to try to hang around is because ultimately I see it as a little more of a power structure hierarchy where, you know, one guy wants to say, all right, well, I say you need to be in that seat from eight to five from Monday to Friday and I'm the boss and that benefits me. So, and I like being in power. I mean, anybody that's worked in corporate America has definitely seen that or worked with that kind of guy before. That's not to say everybody is, but that guy is out there and tends to, you know, can be a boss. Um, what, what do you think about that? You know, and cause some folks might go to their supervisor and say, Hey, I want to try this. And they're gonna say, no, what do you think right. about that? Well, I mean, let's, let's think about the 1800s, early 1900s. So 1926, this 40 hour work week starts right now. The quote 40 hour work week is pretty much the norm, but there's still people that want you to work 10 to 14 hour days, six to seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like we lost those people that had the 1800s kind of mindset. <laughs> so, so are we going to just like lose these people? No, but is there a predominant cultural shift that's happening where people are saying, why are we doing things this way? There will always be people that push back on the other side. And to me, that's less important than saying, what are models that are working that we can point to as examples, as experiments, as ways of thinking that we can kind of outgrow that old model? Because part of that old model that's sticky is that it's easy. Um, you can sure. say, hey, show up do this. Hey, I showed up at eight and I left at five. Who cares what I did during that time? Yeah. I talked to Janet at the water cooler for 90 minutes and it looked like we were having some meeting, but we were just talking about our weekends. And so it's like, I met all the criteria. I don't have to think, nor does my boss have to think. So I think even just stepping back and saying, why do we even want this many people on this team? Why do we want them here for this period of time? What are we trying to achieve? And if we do that in a shorter period of time, like why wouldn't we want to reinvent our models? So it is easier because we don't have to think about it. But is that what's going to get us to the new challenges of the 21st century? And through those, I don't think so. I think we need thinkers that can think creatively and say, wait a second, this isn't working. Let's shift and let's apply this to a new model. Nice. I like that. And I like the deliberate, um, the, the intentionality of this setting up, uh, setting up systems. And I think using newer, um, say technology, probably using newer technology driven tools to engage actual productivity rather than just, uh, say stamping a, a time clock and, you know, watching those things, we're really going to step it up. And I think ultimately if it, if this idea works and we start using better metrics, then you, you get, stronger organizations out of it, more productive and, and ultimately make more money and create more value, which is what it's all about. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. 
Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called ground floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor, or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Joe, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Yeah. So the starter home that I bought, uh, I bought that in 2010. I remember I ran the numbers a couple of years later and looked at how many nights I would have to have that be an Airbnb to be able to upgrade to a house almost twice the size. And it was only about four weeks of actual Airbnb time to make up the difference. And wow. so um, by doing that and running the numbers and knowing uh, I was able to upgrade to a larger house. And now for years have had, now we have two Airbnbs that uh, we've been running uh, for a number of years. So I would say that was a, a great upgrade in house, but then it actually didn't cost that much more. Awesome. Awesome. The short-term rentals have been very profitable for many investors out there. So it's great that you use that strategy. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? You know, I would actually say lending money to friends is probably <laughs> the worst investment. Uh, and I saw it oftentimes as, um, you know, whether it was in college or post-college, hey, like they're in a stuck situation, but every single one of those friendships uh, fell apart because of that power dy dynamic, because of the like not paying back. And to me, it's just, it's just not worth it. Uh, I'd rather say to a friend, Hey, let me buy you dinner when you're in a stuck spot and just have it be a gift or gift somebody. Um, and so I'd say that's probably the worst investment because I lost friends over it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? My favorite lesson is that when you say no to one thing, you say yes to all sorts of other things. And so the idea that I can set clear boundaries and limits in whether it's friendships or business or personal time, and that that downtime actually helps me be explosive when I go back to work. And so it's just this amazing kind of superpower we all have. And just limiting what we're going to put all of our energy into and saying, here are the exact things I'm going to put my energy into, whether that's personally or in business, makes you be able to explode in other areas that are the most intentional and will help you level up fastest. That is a great point. In my real estate investing world, I, I really 
my my progress, my income, my you know everything started to accelerate once I really learned how to say no to to kind of almost everything because that meant I'm saying yes to the things that the that are the exact right fit for me and the trajectory that I'm headed in, and I gotta say keep saying no uh, to those things that don't fit but sound tempting. So that's a that's a great lesson and. Joe, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for everything that you're doing out there. I think ultimately, if if you know this strategy, these ideas work and we get one more productivity and two, especially more satisfaction, then you know the world's going to be a better place. So that's excellent. If folks want to reach out, if they want to learn more, they want to find your podcast, want to find your book, any of that great stuff, where can they track you down? Yeah. So they can buy Thursday is the new Friday, wherever they get their books. Uh, we're actually going to be launching a mastermind group in early November, 2021. And so if you buy 10 of the books, then you get access to that mastermind group. So it's a six session mastermind group. that's going to meet at noon Eastern every Thursday, skipping Thanksgiving. Uh, and so we're going to be enacting Thursday is the new Friday. Uh, we're going to be also doing some hot seats, but even more importantly, we're helping other influencers meet other influencers. So you're going to have a chance to have community and connect with other people that are kind of rising in their skills as well. Uh, also, I have the Practice of the Practice podcast where we explore business topics and marketing around owning mostly counseling and coaching private practices. Uh, so those are the, the main spots other than joesanock.com where we're putting together all of those experiments uh, to help you make Thursday the new Friday. Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, five stars, if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. It gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. If you haven't subscribed yet, Take a second, look up the show, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.